You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well, good morning. Just wanted to mark the moment of this morning, really, um, before we take a little break. I think it's really important we have a little break, if I'm honest. We're, we're just a church plant. Um, barely been, we're not even been going three years, and sometimes I think we can see ourselves in um, adults' clothing, but we're just a little child. And um, of course, we're not breaking from relationships. Um, in fact, there's loads going on over the summer, and I'd, I'd encourage you to engage with the potential of that, invite, get into conversations with your neighbours, your friends, your family, your colleagues, because ultimately that's what we're about, keep inviting. It says in Acts 20, verse 24, I've been reflecting on this verse a fair bit this week, it says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the work of finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it to get on with the very thing that we're about. I, I found Jesus. I know him. I love him. He's changed my life. And I can't not tell you about that. And I believe the more you see it, the more you know it, the more you understand it. You almost can't not want to tell others about it and I think that the summer's a great chance to remind us we're not just a Sunday church we don't just want to know the theory of church we want to live out the reality and the so if you if you feel on the edge I want to say don't stay there come and jump right in come and choose to be in relationship choose to be in community choose to be in discipleship I could probably tell you about it till I'm blue in the face about naturally supernatural not because I enjoy camping because actually I don't but is is time to spend time together but we have the opportunity all summer to do that to have barbecues to have people around to spend time with each other it's really what we're called to do where acquaintances become friends and friends start to become family. The community of God is a very powerful thing. There's nothing quite like it. This last week, a number of you were um, at the pub together. And honestly, no exaggeration, I found it literally quite unbelievable. It was kind of everything that you hope for and everything that you dream for. Everything that I've really longed for in my heart. I had the privilege of just chatting with a few people, seeing then reflect on the journey of coming to know Jesus and how then they've shared that with others and the impact that that's had if they've started to see something of Jesus themselves. And you come away from those moments really quite buzzing because my life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And I guess I just wanted to say, let's make it count. For me, the summer's not a time off. It's I want to make this count. But also thank you to those of you that week in, week out have served so faithfully. You've put out chairs, you've served refreshments, you've welcomed people, you've stood in the rain and put out banners, sorted sound and worship and logistics. And for one, a group of people that have served this last year intentionally to serve the city and the church. It's been phenomenal. Thank you to the kids' team. They're not even here, most of them, because they're serving in kids. But 
looking after children that are not their own at times i've kind of seen the edges of it it's not always the easiest thing to do but they've believed in cheered on invested in and sought to disciple some of the youngest among us this week um one of the parents just sent me a video of of some of their children singing a song to jesus that they'd made up themselves just singing it in the garden like a play and a performance you think some of that just comes from the root of investment that that you guys have have given them so thank you for passing on the baton to that generation without that generation church is nothing but i um yeah i hope you have a wonderful break and we come back refreshed equally i, I don't see it as a burden i'm quite excited already to come back even though we've not broken because life is worth nothing unless we finish the work that has been assigned to us so let's do just that we're on the we're on the final week of a three-part series I've been doing on healing so the first week if you weren't here we talked about physical healing and we prayed for a load of people and a number of people were healed a number of people saw improvement the second week we talked about um that's last week we talked about inner healing and um, in many ways I'd say it's quite hard, quite a painful journey to go on but hopefully that was helpful and then this week I just want to round it off by looking at what, it, what when we're not healed, um, what does that look like, how do we make sense of that but before I jump in with that I just want to tell you a quick story, it kind of happened to me a week last Friday and it would have fit really well with the inner healing talk that I, I did, but it was too fresh and too raw and I needed to, to make sense of it. But um, this probably needs cutting from the online version of this, just to mention that to whoever does it. Now, let's just reflect on a few things that I shared on that week that we spoke about physical healing. I said that before, during and after praying for healing, we're walking into enemy territory and we're seeking to see the kingdom of God breaking now the enemy loves to bind us jesus loves to free us so what better way to punch me in the face than when we see people physically healed for me and us as a family to not just not be healed but for it to get worse now i've shared it these last few weeks and i kind of want to share it again we have to persist and resist we've got to persist in praying for the kingdom for pressing into that with everything within us we cannot relent we cannot give up and we've got to resist. We've got to resist the work of the enemy. He would cause us to want to feel flat, to feel low, to want to walk away. That's kind of what he does. And we cannot give in. We cannot relent. Now, I, I would kind of want to say, I'm going nowhere. I don't pray for healing because of what I see. I pray for healing because it's what Jesus told us to do and I will continue to do that. I long for you to be healed. I long for you to be free and we will be in relenting in our pursuit of it. Equally, we'll be unrelenting if we don't see those moments of healing because we're in a war. Now, I want you to know in that war, I'm, I'm just a normal guy. Now, I know those of you that come regularly, you, you know that. There's nothing special about me, as, as many of you have at many times. I'm just someone, like many of you, who have just learned to say yes to Jesus. Now, I have seen something of Jesus that causes me to want to see more of him and causing me to place my trust in him. And within that, I think we have to be people who learn to suffer well. 
part of not seeing healing is learning to suffer well. As much as we have a theology of breakthrough and of healing, we have to have a theology of pain and of suffering. It's the tension of the kingdom. But sometimes we see breakthrough, and sometimes even though we long for it, we don't. Does that cause us to back off and to relent? No, absolutely not. I long for it, and I long for it more than ever. Until Jesus comes again, we've got to keep longing and got to keep pressing in because that's how his kingdom is extended. Now, I kind of ummed and erred about this one most of this week. Do I share it with you? Is it helpful? Am I sharing something that is just making myself too vulnerable or actually isn't of benefit to you? Is it a step too far? Well, I've, I've come to the conclusion I want to share it, but I want to share it as wisely as I can. So about a year and a half before we planted this church, I was bleeding. Now, you don't need a medical background to realize that it's not actually normal for a guy to bleed. And so frighteningly, it was actually quite significant, a lot of blood and quite regularly. I'd had every test under the sun at one point, they were kind of considering that it might be bowel cancer and it wasn't. They eventually suspected a deep tear in my bowel that just wouldn't heal. I was often in pain, regularly struggling to even walk 10 meters at times, struggling to play with the kids or actually any environment outside of the home was quite difficult for me. Now I'll spare you the details because it's not particularly pretty and actually it doesn't add anything to, wanna, to what I wanna say, but let me just shoot straight with you. It was very difficult physically and very embarrassing. And um, I didn't share it with that many people, but it did affect much of my life and interacting with virtually anyone and anyone everywhere I was. Now, this went on for about three years. No solutions, no answers. Two years ago, a number of people in this church and wider felt prompted to pray and fast for me over a two-week period. They didn't know any of that. They didn't, I hadn't told them, but they didn't know they were praying for it, but they prayed for me for two weeks and were fasting for two weeks. Now, I didn't realize it at the time. It's only as I look back that I make the link. Something significantly shifted in me in that time. No one was with me. No one was laying on hands, praying for healing. But two years ago, in the July, I was 100% healed of it, and I've lived free ever since. Now, here's two things to say. Firstly, we have to learn and I realize this is a hard thing to say, but we have to learn to suffer well. Not everything in life is as we want it. Many of us will suffer things that we have to continue to pray for breakthrough with, even when we don't see breakthrough. We have to be unrelenting in it. Do we back off? Absolutely not. But we've got to find a joy and a peace in Jesus regardless. We can't walk away. That's the aim of the enemy, is to distract us, to destroy us, to disillusion us. Now, the, the second thing to say is, honestly, I can't explain to you healing, but I know Jesus heals. I don't understand often the timing. Some people do see it, some people don't see it, some people slight, see slight improvement. The fact at times, sometimes things actually get worse. Now, I've got a number of explanations. I've got a number of ways that I'd reflect on it. But ultimately, some things are just beyond human explanation. Why didn't I, sorry, why did I get healed in that moment two years ago? I've got no idea. But would it knock me off course if I didn't? Of course not. 
You know, when I see someone in that season, I'd see someone healed of a headache get healed immediately. I'd see somebody who had a knee ache that had lasted for three or four days get healed immediately. And I'd suffer day in, day out, weeks, months, years, bleeding. Did I get cross with God? Why not me? Would I get despondent? Would I stop praying? Would I stop longing? Would I stop hoping? Of course not. Would it change my belief? Would it change my resolve? Would it cause me to lash out at others, to reflect negatively? Oh, I, I very much hope not. Now, of course there were dark days. Of course there were days I found it hard watching my daughters play and run and not being able to join in with them because I was in too much pain. Did I have times of crying out to God in desperation? Of course I did. But I cried out to God. I didn't walk away. Now, why did I tell you that story about my half-brother, Richard? Because even in the last few weeks, actually even today, I could tell you many stories where God hasn't answered prayers of things that I'm longing for, things that I'm hoping for, things that I long to see break forth through, not just for me, but for you. I could spend my life telling you things that I haven't seen him done, or I could tell my, spend my life telling you things he has done and partnering with what the Father is doing. And I believe we can all find perspective and perseverance regardless of pain. Now, I know many of you aren't seeing breakthrough, not just physically, but many things, family dynamics, tensions in your marriage, jobs you're applying for and you don't get, promotion that doesn't happen, deep longings and desires that are unmet and unfulfilled, debilitating health challenges, financial burdens and pressures, and I could, you could go on and on and on. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I finish it, the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. We can't let the enemy distract us or disrupt us. We've got to persist and resist as we, as you, finish the work assigned to you by the Lord Jesus. Now, the mountaintop experiences of life, as wonderful as they are, may inspire us, but it's the valley experiences the really maturers. We have to learn to suffer well. I don't believe it's wasted and I don't believe it needs to be wasted. Nothing in life really comes packaged in, in, in an ordered way or the, the way often we plan or the way that we expect. The difference comes when we choose to show up regardless and love and see people beyond the mess when we find the positive that maybe others wouldn't, when we can show love and find peace in a place of conflict and hope where previously there would have seen to be an absolute absence of it. Romans 5 verse 3 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. We can know joy in the place of trial and problems. We can rejoice in the place of trial and problems. The valleys develop and mature us as we press in to persist and resist and make that choice to do so. We find hope in Jesus 
and the hope of Jesus, it says, does not disappoint. Acts 5 verse 41 says the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message, Jesus is the Messiah. They continued despite the challenges, despite the setbacks, despite the suffering, and patient endurance and hope was found and lived out. Colossians 1.11, we pray that you will be strengthened with, with his glorious power so that you may have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. Honestly, that's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you find that, that you don't lose heart, that you don't give up, that you don't give in, that you're strengthened by his power, filled with his joy in every battle, in any battle, even in the face of hardship. Take everything you can from the season that you're in. Seek ways to turn that pain into praise. I, I don't say that lightly. I don't say that not knowing the depth of pain that some of you are facing. That is a hard thing to do. John 16 verse 33, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on the earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. We can know peace and we can know hope even in the place of pain and the depth of the valley. And in that, we're called to be overcomers. There's something different about us to the world as the Spirit of God rests on us and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, I just wanted to briefly look at a, a few reasons, a few reflections on why we don't see healing, why it is that sometimes it doesn't happen. The first one would be that sometimes we have a worldview that doesn't help. Because I haven't seen it, it isn't going to happen. Well, I've not seen that, so it's probably no point in me praying for you because it isn't going to happen. I Honestly, I think we've got to call that out. That just isn't a reality. Another one is sometimes we can drive at knowledge rather than living in power. I don't know if you've ever done that. I've definitely done it. I need to know more. I need to understand more before I can do this, before I can live it. We really don't. The, the power is not ours, the power is his, and we just step out in his authority. Another one would be, I think many of us often haven't been in environments where we've seen healing modelled in a way that we can go out and do it and live it out. And I hope that this series alone would be something that reduces that reality and actually starts to draw back the curtain on your perspective and understanding of healing. This is his ministry. We just get to partner and we partner with him in it. Matthew 28 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven on earth. We carry, as a result of carrying his presence, all authority, not just some, but all authority. John 14 verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and it will be so so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Ask, ask anything of me in my name, and I will do it. Greater things. Honestly, we've got to start believing, trusting, hoping, and longing, and asking for greater things. I read this week, Acts 19, verse 11, says this, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of the diseases and evil spirits were expelled. I am so up for that. 
unusual miracles. He says greater things we would see. Now, that's kind of nuts in itself. But I'm up for greater things. I'd love for us to long for, to press in for, to believe for greater things. Another reason I'd say sometimes people aren't healed is because we can be concerned for ours or other people's reputation. Well, I I'm kind of might look a bit silly. I'm a bit embarrassed sharing that one. All of those kind of reasons. I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather not pray for that. I'd, I've said sometimes to people, do you want me to pray for you? Nah, you're all right. Well, you're not all right. I'm all right, but you're walking around with a limp. That's debilitating. I'd, surely, let me take a risk and pray for you. Most people who don't know Jesus, in my experience, would let us pray for them because they don't have any understanding or any expectation of what might happen. Often, people who do have an understanding of Jesus can be quite resistant to it. Another reason would be you, you can hear, hear shared, oh, I don't think we should bother God about small things. You know, there's, there's much bigger things in the world like, than my headache, than my knee trouble, than my lost car keys, whatever it might be. Well, maybe there are bigger things, but God is God. He doesn't have an allowance or a quota for what he can do or what he can heal. You know, it's like, oh, four headaches this week, a slip disc, and maybe at a stretch, somebody who's suffering from cancer. It's just not how it works. He, he loves the little things, often because it builds faith for the bigger things. He came to set us free, and it builds our faith. It stirs us in our faith, and it extends his kingdom, and it brings him glory. Why would he not want to do that and see us be active participants of it? Another reason, I've, I think, is sometimes we, we can have a fear of strange phenomena. Have you, have you ever had that? If, if, if I pray for you or if I'm prayed for, I might shake like a dog or whatever it might be. Well, some people do physically experience the Holy Spirit, or should I say their bodies respond to the glory of the presence of God. I don't think God causes us maybe to shake like a dog. I think often, more often than not, people are actually in control of their own bodies. Now, I'm not trying to be flippant about this, but I would rather somebody shake like a dog and is healed than don't and aren't. Do you see what I mean? When I, when I pray for the sick, I'm not looking for an energy or an emotional or physical response. I'm looking for the presence of God to heal them because I can't heal anyone. But the presence of God can transform their lives in a moment. Another major reason I was reading this, work, this week is um, people don't feel encouraged by the church to pray for healing. Now, man alive, that has got to change. If that is a reason we might use, that's got to change. If, if you don't feel permission or freedom or encouragement to pray for physical healing, I, I repent of that and we've got to get on with it. We're a church that believes in, that has seen and will continue to press hard for physical, emotional, spiritual healing and will continue to create environments for the Spirit of God to, free, to move freely among us. We've got to keep after this. We've got to keep going at it. Luke 9 verse 1, one day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. The command to heal 
was integral to his commission to be one of his disciples. I, I think we could reference that forever and a day. That commission is then amplified in Mark 16. It says they were able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. 1 Corinthians 12, we had a little series looking at the spiritual gifts, says the same spirit gives greater faith to another and to someone else the one spirit gives the gift of healing. It's a gift. Healing is a gift to us, a gift from God, and we, sh we shouldn't bury it, we shouldn't lose it, we shouldn't neglect it. Healing and signs and wonders were an integral part of the early church and the proclamation of the gospel, and that's no different now. Now, sometimes Jesus heals all, Sometimes when people came to Jesus, he healed all of them. It says, Matthew 4.24, news about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Jesus also witnessed partial healing when he prayed for the blind man who then saw trees and was walking about thinking that's what he saw. It says in, in Mark 8, it says, the man looked around, yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eye again and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored and he could see everything clearly. We've got to persist in prayer. If it's good enough for Jesus to pray for somebody more than once for physical healing and to press in, surely it's good enough for us. Surely we don't just go, oh, you weren't healed. That's, that's it, game over. We keep persisting in prayer. You know, a month or so ago, I once again cleared out the, the garage and um, I'm going to learn at some point the penny's going to drop and I'll just keep it tidy. But anyway, with the, with the break, Great British Tidy Up came a load of things that I could sell on eBay, and I love selling things on eBay. And everything sold really quickly in a week, bar this one thing. So um, I relisted it, because I'm quite stubborn. I relisted it five times over five weeks. I'm like, this is going to sell. And um, eventually it sold, and then the buyer contacted me within 30 seconds of it selling to say, actually, I've changed my mind. I don't want it. And I'm like, if I send it to you, you're just going to say it was damaged or whatever, so I may as well just cancel the order. So anyway, in that week after that, eBay contacted me and said, if you reduce the price by two pounds or just a few quid, we think it will sell. I'm like, I've never even heard of eBay getting involved due to my stubbornness. But honestly, I am too stubborn to reduce the price by two pound. So uh, this was out of all of the items, the actual one that I thought was worth something. So I reduced the price by two pound, but I increased the postage and packaging by two pound. Now, it's not just a hat stand. I thought that was genius. Um, anyway, within 20 minutes of relisting it, it sold. I made my much sought after eight, 18 pounds. And um, it was worth the six weeks of time and trying. I, I kind of worked out by the time I've paid the seller's fee, I've tithed on my income. I reckon I've got like three ice creams and a bag of four honeycomb cookies, which are really great. So anyway, it would have been 16 quid, but thankfully I, I held out for the full 18. I guess what I really want to say is not everything works out in the way you think, the way you hope, or the way you want. Sometimes we try and pin God into a certain way of doing it, but the same thing can happen a different way. And 
that is often the reality. I think we want God to work to a stopwatch, but he works to a calendar. And if we don't get it our way or the way we were expecting, do we just quit? Do we just give up? No, I think we press in harder. We persist and we resist. Whenever there's, there's this guy in the States I listen to quite regularly in the vineyard, he, he, he sees phenomenal things in healing ministry. But when he doesn't see it, when he really feels a resistance to it, he, he goes in even harder. He didn't, he'll pray for some people on the streets. If he doesn't see it, he goes straight to the hospital. He's like, I need more people to pray for because there is a resistance sometimes. When Jesus ministered to the 10 lepers who cried out for mercy, he simply said, to them he said go and show yourself to the priest I think he was kind of looking for a bit of a faith response in them as well it's like he's going do something go and show yourself to the priest as they went they were cleansed it wasn't in the moment that they were with him it was in the moment that they went now as a side point I would say often we see that when 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 we go he shows I've seen remarkable healings on the streets because this isn't just for us. Healing isn't just for us. We're meant to do this, show this, lift this out in any and every environment, in the workplace, around colleagues, neighbours, family, wherever it might be. Anyway, the healing of the lepers didn't happen whilst they're with Jesus. It happened later. Sometimes physical healing is delayed. It's hard to understand. It's hard to explain. Sometimes other matters need to be dealt with first. Sometimes our spiritual state actually improves our physical state. I think we could quite easily and quickly make that link. It says in 3 John 2, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Now all of that said about healing, we don't dissociate the medical options. Jesus didn't. In fact, he seemed to sanction it. God is the source of all healing, but surely he uses various means to do it. In, in 1 Timothy 5, Paul encouraged Timothy, Timothy to use a little wine for the, for the stomach because of the medicinal benefits. Paul, I would say, out of most people in the New Testament, had a phenomenal amount to say about faith. He's probably saying use a little wine because to date, through him praying or others praying, for the illness that Timothy had, he hadn't yet been healed. Now, in John 9, we say Jesus used spit. Honestly, I don't recommend that one. No, I just don't. Let's not even go there. But the, the disciples often used oil. In, in Mark 6, we see that both were considered to have healing properties. Now, we're short on time, and this is a huge can of worms to, to open. But although we could say that all sickness comes originally through the curse of sin not all sickness is caused by specific sin that affects an individual when someone is not healed I would say it's certainly worth personally considering checking, having a look are there areas of unforgiveness are there areas of deep emotional hurt is there unbelief equally we trust and we follow and we serve a sovereign God Isaiah 55 verse 9, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I would rather we always placed solely the focus on Jesus. Acts 10 verse 38, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 
I think it can be helpful to consider, but it's really important. Nobody is left by us, from us, in environments with us, feeling accused, or maybe you've got a hidden sin. Nobody should leave those environments feeling that they don't have enough faith to be healed. Sometimes we just don't see healing. That's just the reality of the tension of the world that we live in until Jesus comes again. Now, I can't explain it when people are healed, so I can't, certainly can't explain it when people aren't healed, but it's not going to stop me trying. Paul had an eye infection, we see it in Galatians 4. So surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. Timothy, as I mentioned, had a persistent stomach problem. There's a guy in Philippians 2 that almost dies and a guy in 2 Timothy 4 that is left sick. He's not healed, but he's left sick and there's almost no explanation for it. Now, the letters that Paul wrote contained four specific instances where the sick weren't immediately healed. And in two of those cases, it's probable that they were never healed. Now, what makes those four particularly really fascinating, I think, is of those four, they were all gifted, mature leaders. So any explanation of personal sin, defective faith, or ignorance by those that were praying for them just doesn't fit. I don't think you can read that into it at all. Some people assume that God always heals instantly, and therefore, if he doesn't, they just give up praying. It, it can't be that way. Even with Jesus, that wasn't the way it worked. God is sovereign, and it's his lordship and his kingdom that bring healing, not ours. So we just have to trust him and step out. Our part is to pray and to trust, and whatever healing does come from his gracious hand, we're thankful for, we're grateful for, and we press in for more. If in this age it doesn't come in its fullness, we still have the assurance that it will come in its fullness in the next age. Now, just to finish, I, I kind of want to say this, because some of you may say, oh, but surely the easier ones are the ones to pray for, like the knee ache, the headache. It's not that discernible in the first place. It could just go, do we ever really know? Actually, that's an easy thing to pray for anyway. Surely if my illness or the person I'm praying for, it's chronic, surely we should just give up on those ones. Well, do you know... I found it really fascinating. Of the 41 recorded instances of Jesus healing people, 33 appeared to be of chronic cases. So for those of you that have suffered for many, many years or know people that have, the possibility of God healing you in this age should certainly not be put aside. We have to persist. We have to resist. We've got to keep going at this and keep going at this and keep going at this because our faith and our hope and our trust isn't in us. It's not in ourselves. It's in him, the God who is able. And that's what we've got to press in for and keep going for. I hope that's helpful. Why don't, why don't we stand? listening to find out more head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description